Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Brooke Roberts. Brooke lives in British Columbia, and she is a healthcare aide there. Welcome, Brooke. Hello, Jen. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, we were just talking before. We've had this interview on the books for like eight months. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. So the good news about having to wait that long for an interview is that we have even more months of fasting to talk about, right? Yeah, and lots more has happened since I sent the initial email, so... Well, good. I can't wait to get into all of it. So, you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? 
Um, well, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on me before. When I was in high school, weight was never really an issue for me. I was pretty active. I did dance class three times a week and I was in soccer two days a week and that was hard for my parents because we lived out of town. It was a lot of driving. Oh, I get that. I lived in a rural area growing up and it was a lot to get into town. I had a super mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think when I graduated high school, I was around 135 pounds and I'm 5'4". After high school, I worked for a year I went back to school to become a care aide and going from being so active in high school to not being nearly as active. I had quite a bit of weight creep. I got to 165 pounds, which was not good for me. (laughs) Uh, So in 2012, I started really getting into fitness. I was weightlifting, doing cardio, swimming and hiking. And I met my husband around that time, Kyle. And I got down to about 118 pounds, which was pretty small. That's teeny tiny, yeah. Pretty small for me. But in 2013, so about a year after my husband and I met, I started suffering with a lot of really weird symptoms. I was having muscle weakness and stiffness. Exercises that I used to be able to do with ease got really hard. Like if you were able to exercise for... 20 minutes on an elliptical at level eight, all of a sudden I had to dial it back to four. It was just getting harder and harder to do. And eventually I was hospitalized because I couldn't get out of bed. I tried to get out of bed one morning and I collapsed on the floor. It was kind of like I had Charlie horses in every muscle in both of my legs. And my sister drove me to the hospital And at the hospital, the doctors did all my blood work and they found that my CK, which is the, I think it's pronounced creatine kinase, which is the enzyme your muscles give off when they break down. It was super, super high. And during the time that I was hospitalized, it got up to about 16,000 units per liter, which for a normal healthy person a normal level would be 38 to 190 units per liter. So, Oh, was, wow. So it was off the charts. Yeah. Like, I don't even think their machine registered higher than that. So it could have been even worse. So your muscles were breaking down. Yeah, rapidly. And when that happens, there's a huge risk for kidney failure. So I was in the hospital for two weeks. I was using a wheelchair to get around. I was using a slider board to transfer out of bed. And they never diagnosed me with anything specific. They do know that my diagnosis is within a family of disorders called fatty acid oxidation disorders. Um, It's really similar to one disease called CPT type 2 deficiency, but something that's really common with those people is hypoglycemia. And they're told to eat every two hours and to eat high carb meals. So naturally with fasting, that doesn't pass. So that's not, not what I have, but it's similar. So after that, I was told to eat healthy, to manage my weight, to no longer exercise. And for years, I did try to start exercising again. And every time I tried to exercise, the symptoms would come back easier and easier every time. I was never hospitalized again, but my levels did shoot up 
So I have a standing order to be able to go and check my CK because that's sort of the first indicator even before symptoms start. So from 2013 to 2018, I used calorie counting to manage my weight. I never tried any specific diets or anything. But what would happen is with these periods of restriction, I would lose weight. Eat eat less always worked right. <laughs> for me in the sense that I was able to lose weight, but it would get to a point then the hunger hormones would hit me so hard and I would binge for so long where I just no amount of food would ever satisfy me. And that's the part where we start to beat ourselves up and feel weak. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize it's that biologic urge that you really can't fight against. And then you're like, why? Am, you know, I've been doing so well. Why am I so weak? What's wrong with me? And then that whole cycle of guilt gets in there too. And then you feel worse and worse. Yeah. So you were you would binge, you would lose the weight, then you would binge and you would regain it, I guess. Yeah. And every time I would regain it, I would re- I would gain more than I lost. <laughs> After that, um, I went through a few really hard years that ultimately and led me to not really care much about about my health. And I really neglected my self-care, um, which ultimately led to quite a bit of weight gain between 2018 and 2020. In 2018, we uh, got pregnant and obviously I gave up calorie counting, but I did focus on eating really, really well. So I didn't gain a lot of weight with that pregnancy, but we had a son and we lost him at 36 weeks. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. His name was Carter. It was a beautiful pregnancy and there were no issues until towards the end, I started to not I didn't, I couldn't feel him move for the longest time. And I kept telling my OB that he's not moving as much. Actually, we didn't know it was a boy. I said, my baby's not moving. And he said, well, baby's getting big. Not a lot of room left in there. But I'd mentioned it at three separate appointments. And after the third appointment, I lost my mucus plug and I started having contractions. I went in to get checked and... And they couldn't find a heartbeat. Right. So those other times, this is just me, the the mom, wanting to put my arms around you there, but and be right beside you in those appointments, but they never checked the heartbeat those times? They did. And I'd asked for an, a non-stress test and I'd asked for an ultrasound. This was my first pregnancy. And okay. I figured that he, this was the lead OB in our city. He's, you know, he's the master and he knows he knows what to do. And I'd asked for these tests and he checked the fundal height and he checked for a heartbeat and he said, I don't think it's really necessary. Okay. So that was super, super unfortunate. Devastating, I'm sure. That we weren't listened to. Yeah. So I suffered with a lot of, lot of anger. I still oh, yeah. Do. <laughs> Well, I'm feeling some anger right now on your behalf. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, because we trust the the doctor and we don't want to be pushy, right? No. As women, that I'm, yeah. So, I'm I'm sorry that that happened. Yeah. Um, so, four months later, we were we were pregnant again. So we call that our rainbow pregnancy. I don't have you heard that term yes, before? Yes, I have. Yeah. So. A, after the loss of a child, your your next child is your rainbow after the storm. When I was 19 weeks pregnant, 
we lost my dad unexpectedly. So that was just, I couldn't imagine that we had lost Carter. Right. And then my dad so shortly after. And uh, it was really sudden and unexpected. So, sorry. Oh, no, gosh, that's okay. I can only imagine, you know, how how awful that must have been because you were grieving, you know, there's nothing worse than losing a child. But losing a parent is right there, too. It's It's hard. Yeah. So after we lost my dad, I said to my husband, I said, we have lost so much in the last year. And now we're bringing another life into the world and nothing like after everything we've been through, there's nothing more that could possibly happen. It's just, you know, the chances, what are the chances? So with our pregnancy, I wasn't nervous or a lot of moms that have had a loss like mine with subsequent pregnancies, they are really paranoid naturally. Um, I wasn't, I figured we'd been through the worst that nothing could possibly happen. A week after my dad passed away, I went for my dating, or not my dating ultrasound, my anatomy ultrasound at 20 weeks. And they found that our baby was too small. Oh my gosh. But it's not like, it's not a deal breaker. He's, your baby is just, and we didn't know that we were having another boy yet. They said, your baby is just a little bit too small than he should be. But based on what you've gone through in the last year, we're going to send you to a specialist to just to make sure that everything's okay. So we went down to Vancouver, which is about four hours from us to the children's hospital down there. And I was 21 weeks. And after our ultrasound, they brought us into a room and they said, we don't mean to alarm you, but your baby is coming very soon. Oh my gosh. So we came home, we packed up, everything. We got our, our house looked after our affairs in order. We went and it took us a couple of weeks to get our stuff together. And then we went back down and I think, Oh, I was about 26 weeks when we returned back to the specialist and they did a, another ultrasound. And I didn't even know what was happening before they slapped a band on my wrist and they gave me an IV and they said, your baby, your baby's on his, on his way. So what was happening was my placenta was failing. And it's really, really scary because at any point, the placenta can just give out. And then you have seconds or minutes to get this, get this baby out. So it's very, very close monitoring. I was in the hospital for six days before Declan was born. So he was born at 27 weeks one pound, three ounces. And he's amazing. He's doing really well. (laughs) I could see people don't know. I mean, this is like such an emotional story. I'm on the edge of my seat here. But in the background, see, I've got a spoiler alert. I see a Huggies, Huggies box behind you. I see baby toys. And I see a picture (laughs) of a baby. So I'm like, there's going to be a baby. I know there is. Oh, gosh. So he was tiny, one pound, three ounces. Like the size of a baked potato. Oh my goodness. Bitty, bitty. The smallest baby I had ever seen. And yeah. he was ours. <laughs> yeah. So he spent 190 days in the NICU. So six months, which is a lot longer than, than most kids, even at that size. I, I didn't realize that how common it actually is. There was about three or four other kids on the same ward 
that had been born in a similar size to Stecklin, they all went home by their due dates. <laughs> we did not. No. And y'all were in Vancouver this whole time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Four hours I away from home. Down there. My husband, he stayed with me for the first month and a half, and then he had to go back to work. So he would come home, work Monday to Thursday, and then he would drive down Thursday night after work. He would stay till Sunday, and then he would drive home every single week. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So we... uh... Around the time that Declan should have gone home around his due date in October. So he was born July 25th. I think that's pretty close to your birthday. It, it is. I'm July 23rd. So he's a powerful little Leo. <laughs> and uh, so he was. He should have gone home around his due date, which would have been in October. But he stayed until the end of January 2020. So around the time of, that he, we were expecting him to come home, there was really no end in sight. And... <laughs> I missed my husband and I missed my home and my dogs and my self-care just plummeted. And I just got sort of this delayed postpartum depression that hit me so hard. I would spend 10 hours a day in the NICU with Declan drinking lattes and eating whatever food the vending machine had to offer. So naturally I did put on a ton of weight, but at that point it didn't, it really didn't matter to me. Because you don't even care. It's not even about your body or you and you're like, just whatever. You're, you're just trying to survive. And where were you, where were you living there? They have a Ronald McDonald, a beautiful, beautiful Ronald McDonald. That's, that's wonderful. That's a great, great program. And it was only five minutes Mm -hmm. from the NICU. So it worked out so well. They were just, it was so wonderful to be there. And um, I hope to give back to them. 
one day. And really everybody can do that in your own community. That is an absolutely great charity support to support. Did people bring meals and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. So we got home at the end of January, 2020. And we weren't home for very long. And then COVID hit. Right. Yeah. You're like, it's over. We're home. It's good. <laughs> but no. for us, really, COVID was sort of a blessing in disguise. Yes. And I hope I don't, that doesn't sound disrespectful. You know everybody. what? No, because I, I really think that in all times of hardship, we look for things to find as a blessing because there's always, even even in our struggles, there's something. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, y'all had a chance to be at home, right? Yeah, we were all home together. I have a 16-year-old stepson as well, Nick Caden. So he was with us. And Kyle stayed home from work because he's a, he's a service plumber. So he didn't want to be in and out of people's homes and bringing anything home to Declan. With these small NICU babies, there's a really high chance of readmission to hospital. They told us that Declan's, his lungs were so compromised that um, he had about a 70% chance of being readmitted, especially being discharged in the height of cold and flu season. So when we got home from the NICU and then COVID hit, we were able to just tell everyone not, (laughs) no one's coming around. We didn't go grocery shopping. We didn't do anything. Everything was brought to the door. And uh, so that was, that kept him well. It took us quite a while to get our footing at home and for things to start feeling normal again, to process everything that had happened in the last few years. So on September 1st, 2020, we'd been home since uh, the end of January and I decided to jump on the scale. (laughs) (laughs) And I had gotten up to 196.6 pounds and I'd never even seen a number on the scale higher than 170. And I was, I kind of guessed in my head that I was around 180. And so I was just floored. I knew that calorie counting was no longer an option for me. The the yo-yo effect of that, I was, I never felt like I was in a good headspace either. I was obsessively calorie counting or obsessively trying to replenish what I had oh, yeah. lost. That is such a great way of explaining it though, right? You know, when when we're in those yo-yo diet years, you're either obsessively on the diet or you are just hedonistically off, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like here or here. There was no in between. <laughs> I get yeah. that. Yeah. So I just thought that I would just start making small, sustainable changes. That was the only way. The first thing I decided to do was eliminate eliminate night snacking. And after a while of doing that, I realized I was already fasting because I'm not much of a breakfast person, aside from that creamy coffee that I would have in the morning. I was like, I'm going 18 hours without eating. I'm intermittent fasting. And I'd heard about it in passing before, but never really like, I kind of thought it was just like one of those fad diets. And I didn't really believe in dieting, (laughs) even though calorie counting is definitely dieting. So I downloaded an app. I found a fasting group on Facebook, not your group. And I found you because I saw a lot of people mention your name. And I found that those people that mentioned you had more of a similar idea towards fasting as I already kind of did. I figured that you shouldn't have bone broth and MCT oil and a little bit of cream. I thought that doesn't sound like fasting. It sounds like eating. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to. 
so I, I jumped on the clean fast before I, I even heard about it because as soon as I realized I was fasting, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go all in. I'm getting rid of my cream and my sugar and my coffee. Then I found your book fast feast repeat. And this must've been really shortly after you had even just released it. Yeah. It came out in June. So this was in September that you found it. Yeah. And then I found your Facebook group, the, um, the advanced group. And then I found your podcasts and then I joined the delay. Don't deny social network. Oh, yay. (laughs) Awesome. So how did it start? You know, you were, you were, you realized you were fasting already and then you're just like, all right, well, I just have to clean it up, stop with the creamy coffee and just kind of make it official. Right. Yeah. And it was really easy for me. I didn't really feel much of discomfort during the adjustment phase. I had a few headaches and a little bit unwanted hunger here and there. But I lost quite a bit in the first month. It was almost like my body just jumped right into fat burning. I was down, I know this is not really not typical, but I dropped 20 pounds in the first month. And I'm sure that that's probably a lot of it is inflammation. But I was also in a constant state of overfeeding. Right. (laughs) Starting. Well, you know, that's a good point because... I had been for years, just I'd given up and I had been in that state of overfeeding too when I I finally was able to be successful and lose the weight. So you know what? Overfeeding raises your metabolism. So your body was probably ready. If you had come out of the the low calorie dieting straight into intermittent fasting, I bet it would have been a different story. But coming out of that overfeeding, yeah, there's actually something called reverse dieting where they actually people just gradually start adding more food over time if they've been doing it restrictive for a while to get that metabolism boosted. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. Yeah. So you lost 20 pounds the first month and you and you felt good. That Yeah, that is not typical. So everybody who's listening, mm-hmm. if you gain three pounds in the first month, you're actually more typical <laughs> yeah. than losing 20. So, and, and you just felt great. So what was your protocol like at that point? How did you, you know, adapt? What What did it look like? I started with 16-8 and I, I fasted for about a month before I found your book. So I wasn't aware of the um, the 28-day fast start. So I jumped right into longer fasts. I And by longer, I mean one meal a day. I found it to be really easy. I think my body just loved operating on, on my fat stores. It did I even like when I get to dinner time, I'd be like, I really could keep going. Right. But I want, I like that daily reward. So that's what I did. I like to eat every day too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For the majority of my my weight loss journey, I did like a 22-2 or a 23-1. When I started to get closer to goal, that became really difficult. Your body needed more fuel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So now I'm kind of doing... I fluctuate between 18 and, and 20, 20 hours fasted. Usually. That's probably very similar to, to what I, you know, I don't count, but if I had to say, what am I doing? It's probably very similar to that right in I that range. Use, um, yeah. I still use a fasting app. Um, I really like to, to hit the button. It keeps me, <laughs> keeps my focus. I get um, it. I used to set like a, um, how many hours I'd want to fast. And I found that on days that I didn't fast as long and it would say, are you sure you want to end? And it's like in red and making me feel bad. (laughs) I had to get rid of that. Which app do you use? 
It's a fasting tracker. Okay. Yeah. So now I just set it up. It's just custom. So it's like I start whenever I want to start and I end whenever I want to end. And, and it's, it's not giving you any pushback. <laughs> yeah. Don't get mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have thrown in a few um, mealless Mondays and I didn't need to for a weight loss, but I mostly I just wanted to see if I could do it. Right. And I really enjoy them every once in a while. It's not a weekly thing, but I, I enjoy the up days on, on the off chance that I'm going to be going out, you know, for brunch with friends and stuff. It, it fits in really nicely. That makes sense. So how about your, your health diagnosis from before where you were having the muscle wasting is, how's that, is that still a problem in your life or what? It's still something that I have to watch, but I, after reading your book and learning about the human growth hormone and how fasting is protective of muscle mass, I decided to do an experiment. And because I have those weekly orders to be able to go and check my CK, I was able to, to experiment with that. And I started to, to walk every day for half an hour or so. And I would take go get my blood checked and it was fine. And typically beforehand, it would start to increase. So over the over my weight loss journey, I eventually I just started adding in more and more exercise. And now I've gotten to the point where I work out three times a week for 45 minutes. I do some cardio, a little bit of um, TRX. Have you have you ever heard of TRX cables? I've heard of it. Yes, like suspension. Yes. It's like a, it's like you're like a home gym kind of a thing with the little cables. Yes. So I use those and I walk my dogs. It's pretty smoky here right now. We're BC is just on fire. So I'm, we haven't been walking a lot lately, but I usually walk my dogs four to six days a week for an hour with my, with Declan. And um, my CK has remained within healthy parameters the entire time. That's amazing. Except. This funny thing happened where I read the obesity code (laughs) and I was convinced that I wasn't convinced that carbs in general were evil, but processed carbs for sure. So I decided to eliminate processed carbs from my diet. But the problem was, is I didn't replace them with more healthy, natural carbohydrates. And I, my CK went super high. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, it wasn't super high compared to where it had been, but so high that it was really concerning for me. And I was like, what's happening? And when I went to the emergency room, the doctor there, he he said, what have you been doing different? I said, well, I've been working out for eight months and fasting has really helped. I have my CK has not gone up at all. It's like a miracle. I was like, but lately I decided to try low carb. And he's like, that's really interesting. I'll be right back. And he went and he, I don't know, he Googled something. <laughs> he came back. Probably, he probably said, did. He said, you're, because you have a fatty acid oxidation disorder, one of the common treatment plans for these types of disorders is high carb diet. Okay. 
I was like, what? I guess that's not the worst treatment plan in the no, world. No, that's not a bad treatment at all. So no. your body needs to be high carb. And of course, you know, just to you know, to clarify, we're not talking about high processed carbs. Nobody is better off eating ultra processed foods of any kind. That's never your ideal food. But when we're look, talking about real food carbs, your body needs them and loves them. So now I have like a huge bowl of fruit every day and huge plate of veggies, raw veggies and dips and stuff. And I just love it. So that helps a lot. And my CK has now gotten back to normal and I continued to, to keep exercising. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You said early that the, one of the treatments for CK was to eat all the time, like frequent eating, right? Yeah. For CPT type two deficiency, which they thought that I might have, but one of the things that they suffer with is hypoglycemia. So So you weren't having that. And I haven't had that. Well, I think this really does speak to, you know, the the muscle protecting effects of of fasting clean. And again, not fasting too long because you're not fasting, you know, you're not doing extended fast. You're, You're fasting, then you're nourishing your body well every day in your eating window. And so your body has time to build and repair and do what it needs to do, but it's not doing that excessive breakdown that was happening before. And just the fact that you're able to exercise again, I know you feel so much better. Yeah, it was going that long between, was it 2013 and 2018 for a person that really loved to be active and dance and hike and swim and run to being told to never exercise again. It was devastating for me. Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, I'm not like an official, like going to the gym kind of exerciser. But just this morning when I was blow drying my hair, I was dancing. <laughs> I was like really doing like choreography while blow drying my hair. I'm like, if anybody saw me, they would think I was a total weirdo. But I, I'm not good at sitting completely still <laughs> mm-hmm. for a long period of time. So I can just imagine how awful that was. So you've been doing, so we're, we were recording this in August of 2021. So you are not even quite at a year yet. Mm-hmm. How much How much weight did you lose in that not quite a year? Because when, when this comes out, it'll be, you know, November, but we're, we're several months ahead of that. So how much weight did you lose in your still not quite a year? Today, 72 pounds. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And again, everybody listening, do not compare yourself. <laughs> To broken this amazing weight loss because that you know that's amazing. 70, 72 pounds. Are you at your goal? Yes. And I have been for three months. Wow. Yeah, I know it was so it was so quick. Lots of people were worried about me and I don't blame them. And I, I was like, I don't know what to tell you guys. I'm eating so much food. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> <laughs> you really you you didn't fast diet repeat. You did fast feast repeat. You really ate well. Yeah. And your body loved it. You found something that that just felt good from day one, really. Yeah. And I think that's what's what's so important. So besides just, you know, the the remarkable results with being able to exercise again and what other health benefits have you seen personally? I used to carry Tylenol for headaches and I would pop them almost daily and Lately, I've had a few more just because of all the smoke. The smoke oh, is yeah. so bad here right now. But prior to the fires flaring up this summer, I could count like maybe two headaches in the last 10 months. So that is amazing. And my mental health probably is is the biggest switch of all. I finally feel level. 
Oh, that's good. Being able to eat whatever I'm craving, I still, you know, if I want pizza, I still have it, but I make it homemade. Yeah. And if I want burgers, I still have them, but I make them homemade every, I like, I prefer to eat at home now than to eat out. And I have just such a positive relationship with food and I can't even explain how centered and grounded I feel not having to obsessively go one way or the other and just living my life and eating what I want to (laughs) eat. We get it. So, you know, so many of us listeners, me, we all know what it's like to just be so obsessed and worried about food and and like pizza and burgers being a no-no for so long. But you're exactly right. When you make them at home, I mean, pizza can be a healthy choice, as can burgers, when you're using high-quality ingredients to make them. That's very, very different than a fast food burger or a chain pizza. Yeah. So different. Yeah. That's one of the things I love so much about this podcast is everyone talking about their favorite things to eat. (laughs) You can tell these people really love food. Right. You know, when people will give their reason why they could never do intermittent fasting, they're like, well, I just love food too much. And I'm like, oh, well, that is why you need to do intermittent fasting (laughs) because you love food so much. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, you know, getting into all the different vegetables and the fruits. So you said you're eating a whole lot of vegetables and fruits. What are some of your favorites right now? Yeah, I just started that recently. I was feeling I'm starting to get a little bit hungrier than I would like to a couple hours before I typically open my window. So I started opening in the afternoon with a giant plate of raw veggies. So broccoli or carrots, cauliflower, peas, peppers. I'm loving peppers lately, cucumber. And, you know, back in the calorie counting days, I would have like, I would allow myself like one tablespoon of ranch dressing or tzatziki dip or hummus to go with that giant plate of vegetables. And now it's like, I'm eating veggies. Like I'll eat as much dip as I need to cover every piece sufficiently. I get that. That's right. I count. I remember the days of counting out that, you know, what you were going to put on it. But now you can have whatever you want yeah. on it. And then a big, big bowl of fruit, usually pineapple, cantaloupe, grapes, and just everything. Whatever's fresh and available at the at the grocery store. And that's your snack, right? Yeah, that's my snack. <laughs> I knew it because that's really very much the way I eat, too. Yeah, I'm a volume eater. I like to eat a lot of food and I want to feel satisfied. And when you're eating those fruits and vegetables, you really can put away a lot of volume. Yeah. And I'm feeling so much better since I started doing that. My body was just searching for a little extra nutrients, I think. That's the key. You know, you've heard me say it. Our bodies don't count calories. They count nutrients. Yeah. And then when you're giving them all the nutrients, you're giving your body all the nutrients that it needs, you're just going to feel so good. That was something it took me a long time to figure out, but... Such a difference, such a difference. So, and then you have dinner later. Do you eat with you with your family? Yeah. And sometimes I have bone broth after listening to you and Melanie. I was convinced that I needed <laughs> to start making bone broth and I love it. I love a mug of bone broth while I'm making dinner. Sometimes a glass of wine or like a small bowl of nuts while I'm making dinner. And my dinners are always just full of a lot, wide variety of veggies and I eat meat. My husband is vegetarian and my stepson is very picky. So I'm often making three different. (laughs) (laughs) 
I get it. So he's he's a vegetarian then. He's always been a vegetarian. Not always. He was growing up. His mom is vegetarian okay. so she, and she had six kids. So they were all raised to, to eat veg, a vegetarian diet. But when Kyle was a teenager, it just became difficult when all his friends were going out. Oh, yeah. Lunch. So he started to eat meat and he was eating meat when we met. But when we bought a house together and we were making meals and he just, I just noticed he was eating less and less meat all the time. And uh, I was just like, this is getting to be too much money. <laughs> I can't keep feeding you meat that you're not going to eat. So right. I just, just stopped making it for him. And he was grateful. He's So he hasn't eaten meat in about three or four years now. And, you know, both of my sons, you know, one of them is completely a vegetarian. He married, he's married, and his his girlfriend became, a, she became a vegetarian while they were still dating. And so now he's he's not completely a vegetarian. Like, he'll eat meat when he's out or somewhere else. But in their home, they're completely vegetarian. And then my other son, he's 21. He still lives here in Augusta. And he's actually spending more time at home lately. I guess he missed his mama's cooking, but he's eating more meals with us. He lives on his own, but he comes home a lot. <laughs> you know how that is. But he is trending more vegetarian, which is just so very interesting. You know, and then there's me, same exact thing. Like last night, I made dinner for the the three of us, me and Chad and Will, and I put meat on both of their plates. Will didn't eat it all, but I didn't put any on mine. And it, it was just, I was just like, oh, I don't feel like having this right now. Yeah, we, we do a lot of vegetarian dishes because it, it just makes my life a little bit easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have um, meat sometimes, but just you don't have it every time, no. every meal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's so interesting to see it settle out that way. And I've never felt better. Yeah. So I does found that with okay. fasting, I, I feel like I need to eat a little bit more meat than I was before. But we still do like meatless days here and there. It's just too much work for me to make a vegetarian entree and a and a meat entree and then a picky entree for the teenager. There you go. Too well, much. when I crave meat, I want it like a big burger or a steak or something or like, oh, that chicken looks amazing, you know. So I, I when I want it, I really want it. But when I don't, I'm like, nah, not interested. But That's every what I had probably every few days, I'm like really ready for some meat. But mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I had a big steak last night with sautéed onions and peppers and a Brussels sprout casserole. Ooh, tell me about a Brussels sprout casserole. Yeah, it's uh, Brussels sprouts chopped into halves or quarters in a casserole dish with diced onions, cream cheese, heavy cream, a little bit of butter, and then you top it off with cheddar cheese and breadcrumbs. Okay, that sounds like the most delicious thing in the entire world. So I'm going to have to make that. It's so good. All those ingredients are things that I love. And so, okay, I'm going to write that down. Brussels sprouts casserole. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. 
That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. I copied it. I found a recipe called Brussels sprouts gratin. Gratin? Gratin, gratin, something like that. Yeah. And I kind of like made my own out of that recipe. Yeah, I can do that too. So I could read it and then kind of like figure it out from there. Okay, that sounds absolutely amazing. I could probably make that up from scratch too. The cream cheese and the, just get it to the right consistency and bake it up. Oh, and Parmesan as well. That sounds even better. That sounds so good. Ooh, okay. Well, that's, (laughs) now I'm going to be dreaming about Brussels sprout gratin. (laughs) (laughs) until I make it. So fabulous. And now there's probably people listening who are wishing they had that too. (laughs) So tell me about about your husband, Kyle. Does he do intermittent fasting at all? I wish. He dabbled a little bit. Um, He kept complaining that he's just too hungry. He eats. He's a big guy. He's six foot. He eats a lot. And I mean, as a vegetarian, he does have to eat a little bit more. But unfortunately, like he doesn't pay a lot of attention to his macros or anything like that. I mean, neither do I, but I figure as a vegetarian, maybe most vegetarians probably do to make sure that they're getting what they need. Like they get enough protein. They need to really focus on that. Yeah. And he doesn't. So I think when he gets really hungry, he opts for the the quick energy, which is the carbs. So he fills up on a lot of carbs. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's so hungry all the time. Yeah, yeah. I would be. I, if I don't have carbs, if I don't have sufficient, you know, fat or protein with just simple carbs, I'm hungry too. Yeah. So he tried. He tried for about a week and then he was like, this is too, he was trying to do 16-8. This is yeah. too hard. So I think he's got the bug in his ear and he, I've made him watch some, like, there was like that fasting documentary on Netflix he watched with me and he was like, this just makes so much sense. And he really does believe in the science of it. And he's really, really proud and happy for me that I am where I am. So I I have a feeling that eventually he'll come around. He's just started doing, he got a new job and all the guys that he works with are are pretty, they're really into the gym. (laughs) He's feeling a little left out. So he's now he's working out a couple times a week after work with the guys. So I think he'll come around. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you t- do you tell people about intermittent fasting or do you keep it to yourself? No, I tell everybody. Yeah, me too. Everyone who will listen. <laughs> I, uh, I started a fasting group on I my love that in January. And I kept it private just because I really wanted to keep it like clean, fast, focused. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want it to explode on me. So I, and I'm, so I'm surprised that it has gotten up to 135 members and in a private group. So it's all just word of mouth, people inviting their friends to join. And I, I share for that. The beginning, I had a lot of information to share. So I would do little blog posts every day yeah. about different, um, different topics. 
And now because I've written so many blog posts, I just go back and I bump them. And then when I think of new things, I'll write a new post and I do motivation Mondays and, and stuff. It's just so much fun. I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And I'm proud of everybody in the group too. It's been, it's been so much fun. I love that so much. And I would really encourage everybody to do that. You know, whatever, however you can, whether it's in person with a few friends or on Facebook or wherever you are, you're meeting people, have a small group like that. Because I really think, you know, that's really what I started out to do. I wasn't trying to grow a giant community. At no point did I ever say, I would like to grow a giant Facebook community of almost half a million people. I never said that. That was never my goal. Uh, (laughs) I wanted it to really just be a place for me and for my friends. And then strangers started coming in, and that's when it kind of just snowballed. And, you know, I'm grateful that it did. I would not change a thing now looking back. But, (laughs) you know, having a small focused group with just people that you know or friends of friends that are coming in, that's such a great way of of supporting one another. And, you know, I'm in some small, you know, chat groups with some friends that we we support one another like that. And just having that small group where you can be real with each other and not feel like the whole world is watching, so much value there. Yeah, and a, a lot of the time I get asked questions and I don't know how to answer them. So I'm just like, you got to read Jen's book. <laughs> that, that's the bottom line. <laughs> Tell them to look at the frequently asked questions section exactly. because I actually went into that for topics for the group too. Oh, good. I'm so glad because honestly, the reason I was able to write such a good frequently asked questions section was from running the Facebook groups for all those years. Cause I'm like, all right, what do people ask? And when I was writing it, I um, sent it, that section, to several of the moderators who had, had been doing the, the Facebook groups for a while. I'm like, what? I forget. And, you know, they could remember a few things. <laughs> and it's very rare that we'll get a question that was not covered there. Sometimes people come up with something and I'm like, well, that's a new one. I never heard that before. But <laughs> usually we've heard them before. So let that be a valuable resource because that really is, like I said, that's why I wrote it. I wanted Fast Feast Repeat to be something you could go back to. Yeah, I think the first time you read it, you you get something out of it differently than when you go back after you've been fasting for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great book. Well, thank you. I love it. I recommend it to everybody. Well, I appreciate it. I feel like that was just one of the things that just flow, it divinely flowed out of me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a spiritual thing. It just came out. So I'm glad that it, it, sometimes I'll look back at it and I'm like, wow, how did I do that? <laughs> it's amazing. I was in the flow. Anyway, that's my goal. My goal is to spread the word far and wide. And and you with your, your smaller group and everyone listening, find a way to spread it and mentor people and coach people and get them going. I love to hear it. Yeah. That's the, the bug in their ear. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you talked about your amazing health victories and your amazing weight loss that was so fast. What about any non-scale victories that you've had? I don't know what size I got to because I just continued wearing maternity clothes after Declan was born. <laughs> it was like XL. That's all I knew. Right. XL clothes. And um, obviously being able to exercise again is a huge non-scale victory. Um, I had to get my wedding ring resized and the lady, the jeweler had talked me into not going down as low as I could have because she said you're gonna swell in the summer and no it's still it's so loose (laughs) so I might have to get it resized again so I went from an XL to a size four sometimes a size two 
And one interesting thing uh, is I wear a lot of color now. I, I don't, I used to wear a lot of grays and blacks, whites, browns, a lot of neutrals. I don't know why, but I just don't. You feel better in your skin. Yeah. I'm just, I've had so many people tell me, they're like, you just look amazing now. And it's not even just the weight loss, but you're just, you're just so much brighter. And I just feel so much better. Yeah. So you're, and you're so glowing. Better. I can see it from here. I mean, we're, we can see each other on the video. <laughs> people are like, why don't you release videos? I'm like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. That's a whole other can of worms to worry about. But yeah, I can. You, you just look like you're glowing, and you don't look like you ever needed to lose weight. Yeah, you look like you've just always been this size. Is that you in the back there, like on the picture? Yeah, that was right before I started. Yep. Well, and there's Declan. So now we want to hear about Declan. We want to hear all about him. How old is he now? He just turned two. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he's had a lot of issues because of his prematurity. Right. He, because he was intubated for so long and he had a feeding tube, he became really orally averted. So he has a lot of fear surrounding food. Okay. Eating now. So he was tube fed. So he has a G tube and he's, and he still has it. But just recently in the last few months, he has started eating. And, oh, wow. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's the most amazing thing. He's, we've worked so hard. He's worked so hard every single day to try. Like there was months, years, even almost that he, he would offer him food every day and he would just turn his head away. Mm -hmm. And now, so I started feeding him pudding. I think that was the trick. And then okay. I got him interested. And then, so now he's he, this more like yesterday, for instance, he had baby cereal for, for breakfast and he had chicken and mashed potatoes and carrots for lunch. And then he had ravioli with veggies for dinner. And it's just, and he drank from a sippy cup the way that he's supposed to all day. And that's just, a, that's the biggest victory for yesterday was probably one of the most amazing days we've ever had. That's fat. He, it's, he's a miracle. He is. He is such a miracle. And I had to call the dietitian and she's like, okay, I think it's time we start. So he's not being too fed during the day at all anymore. We're going to start weaning those nighttime feeds. So we're, we're on the right track to getting rid of this, this feeding tube. It's been such a, a long journey for him. And he, he still has a few lung issues. So he has a BiPAP at nighttime that okay. he wears, but that's being weaned off too. So he, I don't even really think he needs it anymore, but they still have to wean it pretty slowly. Right. So it's not a big, big thing for him. He had a grade two brain bleed when he was born. So he, he might have cerebral palsy. We, we're going to be going down for an MRI here in the fall. And it would just, to get a diagnosis would be good because then we know why he's as, you know, it just gives us some more insight into his delays and right. his issues and but otherwise he you know the doctor from bc children's called me a couple weeks ago or about a month ago and she said that she didn't think declan would ever walk because of his likely diagnosis and it was such a hard day obviously and then the next day he stood up and he started he started walking oh my like, gosh i love that so much yeah he's like i'll show you yeah <laughs> So he's, he's not walking on his own quite yet. He's still grabbing onto furniture and right. stuff. But I mean, he's he's on his way there. He's going to walk. 
That's amazing. Nothing's, nothing's holding him back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I mean, the next day he gets up and is walking. Yeah. Uh, was, did, you, did you send her a video? You're like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. I'm just so happy for you. And yeah. I'm glad to hear you'll have to stay in touch and let me know how he's doing and yeah. the different milestones. I'll love to hear about it. As we all yeah, will. I share, I share in the groups. <laughs> I post I like I'll post my victories, but Declan's also he's also in there with me. Absolutely. <laughs> so is there anything that you struggle with as part of your intermittent fasting journey? I get cold. I get okay, really yeah. cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of hair loss. Okay. That and it went on for quite some time, but I think with that amount of weight loss that rapidly, yeah. it's just bound to happen. It was a stress for your body. Yeah. Sometimes I get a little bit too regimented and I have to remind myself to to just listen to my body. And because I lost so much so fast. And I do like, as my my personality type, I do have a tendency to overdo things. I did not overdo fasting. I did it the right way. But what people who know me and saw the the fast weight loss, there were, I had a lot of concerns from friends and family at viewing my weight loss as being unhealthy. And and I love my friends and family. So I really didn't want them to, to think of it that way. So I struggled with that a little bit, but I think now that I've maintained for three months now, and I will continue to maintain that they, those worries will, will dissipate over time. I think so too, because, you know, when I started, of course, back then in 2014, when it really cemented for me, intermittent fasting was not something a lot of people had heard of. So they were worried about it just in principle because they're like, what? No, that can't be good. But you know, they had seen me struggle for so many years and the longer I maintained, the less worried people were. So, and when they saw, oh, no, she's maintaining and she looks happy and she's healthy. So that was really that you over time, they'll understand that. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? A little bit of an answer for both. I would tell people that what they'll gain from intermittent fasting will be far more profound than the weight that they'll lose to commit to it for at least six months. Because once you see and feel the benefits and the freedom, you'll never, ever want to quit. Your journey to health and wellness won't just impact you, but it creates a ripple effect to people in your life who you love. Being able to share this freedom is one of the greatest gifts this lifestyle can give you. That's amazing. I wish I had known that it was okay to allow myself to be a bit more flexible in the beginning. Uh, 23, one or one meal a day did work for me. And I was super comfortable with it the majority of the time. But once I got closer to maintenance, it was no longer working. And I fought it. I was like, this worked for so long. Why is it all of a sudden not working? But I figure um, that that was just the way that it would always be. But no, I wish I'd known that this lifestyle is ever changing and ever tweaking. Things will not always be the same. And just to roll with it and give yourself some grace. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Brooke, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And I know that your story is going to touch a lot of listeners and inspire them. Oh, I'm so happy that you had me here. It was so nice to see you, Jen. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Well, I just am like the most lucky person in the world to get to do it. I love my <laughs> I love my work. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. 
That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.